If you're like me, you want to get your business ahead, but there are certain skills you need, but you just don't have. If this sounds like you, then you need to head over to Fiverr. They have a whole array of professionals that can help you in different areas, from design to writing, marketing, and more. They have you covered. I seriously can't tell you how much Fiverr.com has helped me along with this podcast. Um, I've used them so much for this podcast. It's been unreal. They make my flyers. They go ahead and um, I hired this guy to help me upload the each episode and in the beginning in order for me to be all over the place it was I was totally going to Fiverr it was I seriously just it's I've gotten so much for my business through them so please use my link which you can find in the description of this episode or you can go to MarcellaAlonzo.com and book there through Fiverr today you'll be glad you did Hello and welcome to Get Schooled with Marcella Alonzo. Today I'm doing part of my Pride series and I have the beautiful Natasia Dreams. Did I say it correctly? Yes, you did. I got, it's a beautiful, beautiful name. Thank you. Thank I want, you. My next, I want to, um, I'm done with kids. I'm over kids. but And I had a boy dog for the longest time, but uh -huh. I, I want a cute little Pomeranian. I think Anastasia or something yes, like that. Yes, yeah, oh, that would be so cute. cute I have little... a Pomeranian too. Oh, you do? what color is your Pomeranian? She's caramel brown. Her name is Patricia. Oh, I like that. Like <laughs> now, I'm like I'm thinking of names I like for when I finally get my female dog, and I I want because I had a Chihuahuas in the past, and mm -hmm. now it's time for a little fluffy. Yes, princess. Yes, of yes, they're the best. So it's so nice to have you here. Thank Please you for having me. Please introduce yourself um, to my audience. Let everybody know who you are, mm -hmm. and also if you could share a little bit about um, how you got into the adult industry. So I'm Natasha Dreams. I am like a almost 20 year old veteran in the adult industry. I am also a supermodel and an activist. Um, I got into porn because honestly, like by mistake, because I was um, in Miami escorting mm -hmm. and I relocated recently and, and I was trying to get some money to get like a place together. I, I moved there with a boyfriend of mine. And they contacted me from an advertisement that I had and they're like, hey, like, you know, do you want to do a porn movie? When, and it's really sad, to be honest, because the rate that they offered me is like the same rate that they're offering now. And you would think that they would evolve. Like, luckily, I have a higher rate now because I fought for it and I'm established. But right. the rate that they offered me is the same rate that they're offering girls now and even lower. And that was 20 years that ago. That was 20 years ago. Yeah. And it was on it was a website. It wasn't even a DVD. It wasn't even anything like it was a website that I think came and gone by mm -hmm. now and so they contacted me and I'm just like okay like it's money like I needed a place to pay for like the rent where I was staying and I was like okay so like what do I have to do and they're like yeah you know you have to have sex or whatever on camera and I'm like with who though and they're like well do you have anybody in mind and I look at my boyfriend at the time and I'm like hey you know do you want to do like a porn movie <laughs> with me and he's like okay yeah and they're like well they'll give him some money too and i'm like oh perfect like babe we're doing a porn movie and next <laughs> thing you know we like they came to where we were staying and filmed us and everything and that was like my first introduction to the industry and i guess it went really well but i like stopped doing it afterwards because i was in the relationship and was balancing that 
And then once we broke up, like another girlfriend of mine took me to like LA. And and then that's when I did like solo shoots and like got on Bob's Tea Girls. And then I did my, I came back to New York and then I met this one performer and he got me like my first DVD cover. Mm -hmm. And then it just like literally blew up from there. Oh, yeah. So it blew up. Literally, yeah. Like after I did that DVD, like everybody started calling me, everybody started booking me. Like I wasn't, I didn't think like, it was gonna be like that, but it just really like snowballed. And the next thing you know, I'm like working and working and working and working and working and working until now. Wow. Now, well, you were comfortable when you were working with your boyfriend. Now, how is it when you first started working with a different partner? How did that get? It was very uncomfortable, to be honest. The the one thing that helped me with that one scene that I did with the the DVD was that. I had met the guy before at a party and there was a lot of chemistry there and we we had intentions of like having sex but we didn't have sex until we did that movie. Mm. So that's what made it a little bit easier for Enjoyable. the first time. Right, yeah, because right. I really wanted to have sex with him and he wanted to have sex with me and he was a professional already and he kind of like leaded everything and made it really easy. So that was a plus. And then like later on the line, it was it got difficult and got more into the acting right. because they paired me with people that I really didn't want to be with mm-hmm. and you're like, like that how is that feeling when you're ugh. it's really like uncomfortable it takes a lot of work it's a right. lot of acting you know but i'm yeah. a, as a sexual person i enjoy sex in general so i just thought of it as like you know okay i'm having sex with this really hot person and it's it's a means to an end like i'm getting paid for this so i'm gonna give my best performance even though i'm not having a good time right how did you first get into escorting in the very very beginning so i was here in new york and mm-hmm. i was like 19 years old mm-hmm. i transitioned um very young well, as soon as i got here and i was working at a restaurant and all my friends that worked at the restaurant they were like coming back at we were like a drag queen restaurant so all my friends were like coming back with like surgeries and surgeries and surgeries and this is like late 90s okay mm-hmm. so money was not flowing like how it was back how it is now and i'm like asking my friends i'm like girls how are you getting like all these breasts and nose shops and everything you know i'm in a rush to do my transition because i wanted to f- feel how i wanted to feel right and they're like girl we're escorting like we're working we're making money and i'm like but how like where like how do you get into it and they're like oh well there's this madam and she has a house and she sets us up and we give her half of all the clients whatever and i'm like sign me up Mm, so that's um, that was your gateway because yeah. it was the, the you wanting to get because these surgeries cost money expensive thousands right. of dollars thousands of and dollars. i'm 19 i just moved to new york i came here with like 500 dollars and like a dream mm-hmm. and i didn't see a way for me to transition to the woman i wanted to be without that extra help right and so i'm like how are you guys doing this and they like fought back and forth with the madam because the madam didn't even want to take me at the time because i was black uh-huh. and she didn't trust um black trans women because she had made a house for another with the other black trans woman and apparently the black trans woman when she would come like every day and get money whatever the other black trans woman like cleaned out her whole apartment one day so like my friends had to literally like fight for me for like two months for her to even want me to work with her and then like she was like put me on the weekends job which is like you just answer the phone and any clients come and you open the door and they're like surprised and when i went there the work there the first time Every client that came stayed for me, even though they were coming for blonde girls, for breast girls. I had no breasts. I had no surgery or anything. But as soon as I opened the door, they would stay. And so she was like, oh, this girl is a moneymaker. And then she took me on. You had to like fight for. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't want me at first. Right. No, 
I remember the early days of dancing and even I was like told to work a certain shift. It was me, the African-American girls, and um, it was like the Spanish girls, African-American girls. We had to work this shift. Mm -hmm. We couldn't work night. They would give me the excuse, oh, you're too heavy, whatever. Meanwhile, here comes a blonde girl, half drunk, a hundred pounds more than me. They you could know, work. The shift, yeah. Right. And they would, I've, I've encountered that too mm -hmm. with, you know, where as a minority, you have to like, Extra work, work, extra hard. Extra hard. And a girlfriend of mine recently, she didn't want to go to Expos because she goes, I have to go get my hair done. I can't just show up and not wear makeup and not have my hair. So a lot of minorities, we have to be, I think for me, it through the years of being in the sex industry world, I've learned to always do everything 100% yeah. and show up because... Even more than 100% yeah. because you they already have a low expectancy of mm -hmm. you. So you have to work hard to be at normal level and to be exceptional, you have to work 200%. Right, right, right. So in the beginning, you you were working at the drag place, right? Uh -huh. The drag restaurant. Uh -huh. And you already knew this is what you wanted to do. Uh -huh. And you already had the vision of who you wanted to be. Yes. Yeah. So you were ready. It was just the finances. So, right. And then sex work help you get where you were at. Yes. And and all that. It helped me get my surgeries, help me like live practically in this expensive city at 19 years old and then like I, I worked really hard like one summer like overnight and saved up like four thousand mm -hmm. dollars and my mom at the time I told her like we have we have a really close relationship and I told her I was escorting and she like cried and everything mm -hmm. I'm like well I'm trying to get my breasts done and she's like well how much money do you have and I was like I have four thousand dollars and the breasts are like five thousand she's like okay if you stop like I'll give you the other five, the other thousand dollars, so you can do your breasts. And I was like crying, and then like I went home, I did my breasts, and then of course I didn't have any money after that, <laughs> so I had to come back and back into right. the world. Oh, but your yeah. mom helped. Aww. Yeah, my first set. Yeah. <laughs> That's sweet. No, I I can understand. I'm a mom of two, so I can understand like her. It's frustrating, and that's good that you have her there supporting mm -hmm. yourself because a lot of a lot of people don't have that family support. Yeah, and they understand and everything. So now you got into the business. Um, did you ever move to LA? Like, how did what was the process? Like, once you did get into porn, like, no. Like, I, I then I was living in New York. Then like I moved back to San Diego, uh -huh. and I was in San Diego for a while. And that's when I would like go up to LA I would take the train up and I had like a website I signed with this um, website company and they had made me a website so I would go up like every two or three days on the train to LA shoot in the studio like come back home the same day and then I would navigate it like that until mm -hmm. I got really really established and then I just like moved and then they would like send fly me in and then whatever. you got your super status right and you're like i'm gonna be in new york yeah that's where i need to be well i always wanted to be in new york because i swear like i created i came became myself so i felt comfortable and there's more like um resources for trans women yes. and like insurance and etc and I had a lot of friends here so i was like okay i'm gonna go in new york and then if they want me to come like they can fly me in or i'll fly in and visit my family at the right. same time and i was debating to move to new um la at one point in my career, because I was working so much, like once a month, two, t two or three times a month. I'm like, why don't I just move here? But I just couldn't deal with like the LA lifestyle. Right. So I was like, well, I'll live, I'll live in San Diego, which is like closer, and that way I don't have to take this six-hour flight every time oh, yeah, to yeah, shoot. Yeah. 
Now, the resources you're talking about, because I would like my listeners to know, mm-hmm. what resources are needed for people that are going about transitioning? What is it that they need to, you know, go about this process? Well, back then, it was like the illegal street hormones, and they mm. were like, bar, like, you know, people that you can look up to and guide you and and show you like where to get your silicone injections and like what surge what surgeons operate on trans women because back then it was like you had a certain type of people that would operate on trans women it wasn't known so like here in new york is where you would find the people that would know and they would lead you in the right direction Mm. before it was like you had you know, like healthcare now and endocrinologists and all that. This is way before that. So mm-hmm. when I was in San Diego, I didn't know any trans people at all. Mm. So, so this is where I knew all the trans people. And so this is where, where I would um come back to because this is where I can get all the information that I needed and my hormones and my testosterone blockers and like my, my hair extensions and hair removal. Like it was very accessible because all the other girls shared the resources. Mm, because it's so trans women they do need this community yes and they need their sisters to help guide them who they are and this right. is important for somebody that is listening now and let's say they're in i'm trying to think of a city like i would never go, go oklahoma yeah. or something and yeah. they want to transition today now where would they go and how would they go about for somebody in the middle of the country that's thinking about it? Well, usually, and what would you recommend also? Usually now they have like um, forums and like, thank God to the internet, you can find the like the LGBTQ plus IA centers mm-hmm. in the nearest town. Maybe you may not have it in your town. You might have to travel a little bit, but there's also like forums, blogs and everything. So I would suggest to reach out to the community, like Google, those resources in your community or near to your community and like go there and meet the girls. And usually we're really nice and accepting because we've all been there. So mm-hmm. we extend the same help that the others gave to us. Right. To pass it down mm-hmm. the generations to mm-hmm. help. Right. Right. Um, what else was I going to ask? Cause this is interesting. Mm-hmm. When you first started taking different, um, like the testosterone blockers or was there anything in particular that you felt like, Oh, I don't like this or this make me dizzy or anything like, uh, that you felt different in your body that you were taking? Just like the hormones, as it uh-huh. was like unregulated, and I was I was so urgent to like transition, so I was taking like way more than I should have been taking, uh-huh. and like I had emotional roller coaster, literally like crying one moment, eating a lot, like it was just very unregulated. But I just knew that that was the steps that I had to take, so I just like rode with it, and like everybody knew at the time when you first transition and you first start your your hormone. Um, replacement that it's a very up and down so like Mm -hmm. since I was in the community they already knew like oh yeah you know she's fine she's just taking her too much hormones (laughs) you know like laughing and crying and like doing a sleeping for like three days eating fat foods but everybody knew that that was part of the struggle oh because every yeah you all go through something we all yeah especially not before when it's unregulated now you get it regulated so now thing when did it start getting regulated I just Honestly, I it's probably been the past, I want to say 10 years uh-huh. that it was regulated, that I have a doctor, that I get my, go to endocrinologist, I get my bladder, my liver, everything checked. But for the first like 15 years of my transition, it was 
self-medicating and oh. going to like clubs and like meeting a woman in the bathroom and getting a hormone shot or like going to her house and having her with like the needle already drawn out, oh. stabbing you, knowing that she's HIV positive as well. So you don't know if she like stabbed herself with right. the needle or anything. That was a gamble that we all took just to be where we are Who today. you are, because that's what you, you know, that's what you are destined to be. Yeah. You knew you were a woman and you've got to you go through these things. I had yeah. to take all the steps any, by um, any means necessary. Um, have you heard of anybody ever dying because of uh, the, I know in the past with the silicone, I have silicone yeah. on my lips. Mm -hmm. So I know, the, you know, I already know, but um, has anybody close to you that you know of, have they passed because of these illegal injections or gotten really sick? Yeah, a lot of girls that I know that had like silicone and then, you know, they would have HIV and then it would turn to like cancer when mm. they would go to like remove it or something. A lot of girls in my generation are not here today that have done these things that I've done. And they just took it down another path. And like, you know, you didn't have the resources to know of education about how to protect yourself and HIV and, and these illegal doctors and you're mm -hmm. self-medicating with hormones, you're self-medicating with drugs and you're having promiscuous sex. And I was just talking to a girlfriend of mine today, like half of like not even half, like most of my generation that I came around with are not here today to be able to tell their story. Oh, that's so sad. And they have families that love them and. Yeah, and us as a community, I've lost so many girls, like girls that I was inspired to, that I looked up to, that I wanted mm. to be. They're not here anymore to even see me reach this pinnacle right. of my life. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. That's so... Is there an oats? They, so whoever's out there, I'm like, no, I feel like I've got to save everybody. Yes. But you need to go and look for an LGBTQ center. Yes. I know LA has one. Yes, LA right. has one. Pretty much every city has one. Major no, thank city. God. Yeah, major I'm just city. concerned. The I'm concerned city. about the small city. And, yeah. you know, I, I and, and I'm concerned now with some of the um, I'm concerned with what's going down in Florida. Right. Um, that seems to be very scary. That being said, have you come across any bad situations during your process of transitioning? You know, any type of things that situations that you feel were bad or encountered? I mean, pretty much. Yeah. Like I've I've experienced it all. Discrimination. Um sexual abuse, bullying, physical abuse. I've I've been through it all to be honest. Yeah. Oh, Just man. it's navigating this life so, by yourself with no one to guide you and and you get have to do these situations for survival and crazy things happen. Like I had a client like almost tried to rape me before mm -hmm. cuz I didn't want to get penetrated. I've had like guys act like they didn't know that I was trans and like afterwards like try to enact physical violence against me post-orgasm of course mm. I've had discrimination in my workplace because I wouldn't tell people that I was trans and then a guy that I some guy that was like had the hots for me went and one time to my job I was working at a restaurant as as a hostess and take my advertisement and show the whole my oh. whole job and so then it was funny because I would I was at work the next day and I had like a little skirt and like I see everyone looking at my genitals, like trying to see if I had something there. And I'm like, why is everybody treating me like this? And come to find out he had came and showed everybody my advertisement and told them that I was Natasha. And and that was difficult. But since my worth ethic was so good, they like kept me and they said to this day I was like one of the best hostess that they ever had. But it was just overcoming that and right. staying there and the embarrassment. And right, right. 
yeah, the whispers and yeah. Oh, that's terrible. It was bad. That's terrible. God, for people to do that. But it, it, I've had it where people have tried humiliating me, but imagine as a trans, you know, person, this is it's just un. Yeah, because then you notice the vibe changes. Like right. they were, everybody was really nice and friendly and everything. And then now everyone's like looking at you side eye, looking at your crotch, like trying to And see. this was in the late 90s, right? This was like in early two, 2000s when oh. I was living in um, Miami at the time. It was like probably like 2005, 2006, 2007. Mm-hmm. Those like three years. And then I ended up moving to Europe and I was like, okay, I'm done with America right now. Yeah. When do you say things have changed for the trans community? Or do you feel like they have not changed? I feel like it changed when I was in Europe. I will say it was probably like around 2009, 2010, when I saw like a big uh, representation of trans. I never forget, I was in Europe, I was had another boyfriend at the time, and I saw like this candy magazine cover. Uh-huh. And it had like seven or eight trans women on the cover of the magazine, never never been done before. And it was like my girlfriends that were models, like nightlife celebrities right. and part of the, the ballroom community. And I told my boyfriend, I, I'll never forget this day, I told my boyfriend, I'm like, babe, like this is the time right now. Like this is time where I have to like take advantage of this wave because now we can be who we are and, and be celebrated. Because before I was living in denial and like working as a woman and not telling anybody I was trans. And it was very difficult to navigate all those situations that came with that as well. Mm. And so it was like, yeah, probably 2010 to, to like between 2010 and 2015, not too long ago, to be honest. Okay, yeah. yeah. Cause that's sad that we've come to this year for things to change. Right. And now we are. I do like feel like we are just when we felt like we got ahead. Now I feel like backwards it's, again. it's going backwards again because I feel like there's such a misunderstanding with um, trans, you know what I mean? The trans community and there's so much, um, you know, like things being thrown out there that are not right and not yeah. true because right. a big thing like they say, oh, uh, the drag queens, they shouldn't perform for children. But when are you guys really perform like? Yeah, it doesn't make that any doesn't sense. make any sense. Yeah, but I was watching like Wanda Sykes the other day, and she was like, "Yeah, you don't see drag queens going into schools and like shooting kids, or you don't see That's drag true. queens yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not drag queens; it's the people that put these agendas on us, which aren't drag queens, that make inflict violence on other people because they're not allowing people to be who they want to be. And so then, of course, you put a tiger in a cage and you tell them not to be a tiger as soon as you open that cage they're gonna be a tiger regardless of what you say what legislative you put but i like with that being said nobody convinced me right to be a trans yeah like nobody tried to force me no i didn't even know until i came here and i was like wait this is what i am and finally i can associate with something and then that's when i made my steps and i've come to this debate with like many people when they're like oh you have to wait until you're this age and that age but i'm like no because you're making someone be uncomfortable in their own skin just for you to feel comfortable and that's not fair to the person like oh they're too young and like i wish i would honestly i wish i would started transitioning younger if i had the means to because i mean luckily i'm not I'm very feminine and I my I had a regular hormone imbalance, but some people don't start until like they're like in their twenties and they're twenty-five and thirties and forties and fifties. And that's when all the like masculine traits set in and it's hard to reverse. Mm. So the earlier you start, it's better for you. And mm. you know from I knew from when I was like five years old. Oh, you knew so when when did you know when um 
what was the first sign or the feeling it just felt different? Or? Yeah, just like interacting with kids and like I would see little boys and they, they knew it too. They can feel it too. Like right. I remember like playing house with the boys and I was the mother and I would oh. be like cooking and I had like a little boy. My husband would come home and we would like hump <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> like even they felt it. And right. even my mother, she told me like, she's like, when you were born, I could tell you were different. And she literally like would brush my hair with such like really soft and gentle like you can tell she can sense the feminine energy inside of me it, it's you, you're born with it right no I believe that because I did grow up with somebody that was a family friend and um as I was growing up with them you know they were born a boy but and this this is when I was real young when I was five or six seven I knew you know I could see the outside but I mm -hmm. knew they were a girl and I remember my mother scolded me and said why are you undressing in front of, and I still say her, but you know, he was a boy. Right. It was when he was a boy. And, and, um, when it finally came out, and I told my mom, yeah, I felt like even though they had, they were this under, yeah, it, you can tell. I, I just could tell. And it was, and I still remember as a child that I knew they were female. You and had the feeling. I just yeah. knew it. And, um, even another person that I know that's trans said recently, um, to me, and they said this about a dog that they um, there was a neighbor's dog that only liked woman. It didn't like boys or men. And the dog went up to when he, you know, she was a little boy, and the neighbor's like, "That's funny. The dog doesn't like boys." Or you uh, know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I feel like children sometimes we we do pick up and stuff. And I never and the person that I grew up with, they never did anything inappropriate with me. Right. So. Um, and that's why when people are saying stuff, I'm like, no, like. <laughs> yeah, they have it all wrong. And I go, I, I'm as a trans person, I, I notice that too with the people at certain energies. They may have like an outer shell that projects something, but it's the inside and you can tell. Right. You can tell their energy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's true. So, but yeah. Wow. So I'm glad to hear your, your mom was very supportive. Yes. And she knew. And so. The communication when you finally went through and everything was she ever worried about any surgeries or like night before when stuff happens yeah she was always been worried like i just had my breasts done recently and i had like gender confirmation surgery and she was like always like nervous i remember i was talking to her like before i had gender confirmation surgery and i'm like mom well let me tell you like where's the money in my house like just in case anything happens she's like no don't do that like I'll find it anyway but don't even speak about that but she's always been for like when I told her I was having surgery she was like I was like mom I was really nervous to tell her because back back way back when I first transitioned she's like oh you know I'm gonna lose my son and I'm like you never really had a son to be honest and you know you didn't have a son <laughs> And so when I finally had surgery, we're going to have surgery, I'm like, Mom, I'm going to have surgery. And she's like, I knew. She's like, I know that. She's like, you've been waiting 20 years for this. Like, you know, go ahead, do your thing. Like, mm -hmm. I just wish I could be there for you, but I can't. But like, let me know. Keep me posted. Like, you know, everything's going to be okay. And she's very supportive. My father as well, too. Once he saw me transition and I had my surgeries and everything, he's like, are you happy? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, I'm happy. Oh, yeah. that's such a good story. Yeah, here. I got lucky. So you had the gender, re how do you say it? Gender confirmation surgery. Now, tell 
me about that and where do they do the surgery and how was that and what were your thoughts on doing that? So I've always wanted to do it. I've mm-hmm. always, I always would dream of myself having like a vagina, vulva. And I, it, I just, I never, it, my body never really matches like how feminine I was, how I like to have sex or whatever. So I went to many consultations, but just being comfortable in sex work kept me not having surgery until my gender dysphoria like really took steroids. And mm-hmm. then it was like really crazy for me. So I went to this consultation here in New York City mm-hmm. and um, I met with the doctor and she said I was a good candidate. And like she gave me a date like a year later. And then like maybe like a couple months after she called me and she's like, hey, I have a date like sooner. And I was like, oh, wow. She's like, do you want it? I'm like, of course. Like, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. So I recently had surgery, like, almost two years ago in October, Mm -hmm. two years ago. And it was an experience, to tell you. It was very rough. It was very difficult healing, mentally taxing. But I will say, for all of that, like, I feel so much better now than I've ever felt. Like, I finally feel comfortable in my own skin. I finally feel I can express my sexuality the way I want to and mm-hmm. have diff- with partners. And I'm really happy that I did it. I wish I would have done it sooner, but, like, this is life and you live right, and you right, learn right. And, and things happen when they happen. Was it painful? It was so painful, girl. Oh. Like, literally, the third day, I was telling, like, my boyfriend yesterday, the third day when, like, First day, two days, you're fine. Like, uh-huh. my friends were coming over and they're like, wow, you don't even look like you had surgery. I'm up, I'm walking around. And I guess, like, it takes a while for your body to, like, okay, this really happened. Literally the third day, like, that night after my friends left, I was in so much pain. Like, I was so much pain. Like, I was on the 11th floor of the hospital. And if the windows opened from the hospital, I would have jumped out the window. Like, that's how bad it was. Uh-huh. I was dying and then like, I end up calling one of my girlfriends and like crying because they didn't want to give me any narcotics at the time right. I guess because I have the anesthesia and everything yeah. I'm like give me something please like I had to like literally f- the one of the worst nights of my life like the pain and I was explaining to my boyfriend it felt like they took a machete and like sliced you a hundred times and then took a sledgehammer and pounded you like 500 times. Oh. The combination of the both was insane, girl, and it does not go away. And they kept you in the hospital for how long? Five days. Wow. Yeah. So you were, so in, once you get the surgery, if somebody's thinking about it, they have to be prepared for five full days. Five days in the hospital, yeah. Wow. We're connected to like a wound vac, a catheter, IV. They come and take your blood pressure every three hours. They're giving you um, anti, uh, what is it called? Blocker shots for your, so you don't get blood clots because you're laying around mm-hmm. and like, you know, you just had surgery and like all these shots and blood work and antibiotics and and they give you even um syphonephil, like Viagra to like bring blood to the area and stool softeners and it's a lot. Oh, it's a very That's challenging longer than having a baby. Very challenging. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like connected. You can't get up by yourself. You have like the sting IVs. It's a lot. And I, and I commend the, anybody who did the that. aftercare. The aftercare is also a lot. You can't leave your house for like the first three months after surgery because you have to do post operative techniques to keep your your vaginal canal open. Mm-hmm. And it's like dilating four times a day every day. 
So that's literally your life for like the first three months. So you're dilating, like sort of like when a woman gets the muscles get hard. Yeah, you have to like put this plastic, um, like a dildo. Yeah, inside okay. four times a day. Four times a day, and and douche after that. So how does somebody have a job? You can't. You, for, you can't. You can't. So they really can't. You need to have at least like three to six months so off. So any, oh, three to six months. Yeah, because I, okay. I healed quick, but okay. some people have complications and some people go home with a catheter and, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Right. But like, let minimum. But somebody just, working from home could easily. Easily. Okay. Yeah. If they're working from home, you're, yes. you're doing sex work. Somebody, um, like a, an airline stewardess, they can't fly, be prepared no. not to fly. So yeah. if somebody has a job that they could sit at home, you know, then it would be probably easier transition. Yes. Than, right. You need to focus that time for your healing, especially in the beginning, because what happens is if you don't do these procedures, your canal will close. Mm. And then you have to go through the surgery all over again. All from that the pain beginning. all over yes. again. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. So it's very crucial that you do this. And it's so taxing on your mental health. It's so taxing on your spirituality. You have no social life. You can't leave the house. Because literally, after you do the procedures to, to do your post-aftercare, you have maybe one hour in between, which is like to eat or like to shower. And then you have to do it again and oh. then again and then again. And that's your life, literally, for the first three months. Wow. Very complicated. Now, the the cost of the surgery, and I'm not trying to get personal. I'm just, I just want to educate people. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you say the figures of cost range would generally be? I could, the last consultation I went to, and was a couple of years ago, it was going for like twenty thousand mm -hmm. dollars, and then that's I don't think it's including like your hospital stay because the hospital, yeah, that can be costly. Yeah, right there. yeah. So I think altogether, I think it was like fifty k. Wow. 50 to 70k yeah wow. with like post aftercare and everything and the tools that you need and it's very expensive right and then you're visiting the doctor afterwards yeah. just to check up every week sure. every two weeks every three months every six months every mm -hmm. year yeah now the hormones now that you do have to take mm -hmm. um what do you currently have to t like what is one take now currently so said? now i take um estrogen patches mm -hmm. because the pills stop working for me i don't know why i think i've been taking them for like 20 plus years and my mm -hmm. body got a resistancy so i'm taking estrogen patches and i'm taking progesterone because i don't have any testosterone i never had testosterone because i had an orchiectomy which i had my testicles removed when I was like 21. Oh, you did? Yeah, because I wanted it to help me with my transition to be more feminine. And I didn't want the constant battle of the testosterone and the estrogen in my body, which was making you have the rises and the spikes of oh. your hormone levels. So one of my older girlfriends told me, hey, like, dude, she told me when she met me and I was like 20, 19, 20. She's like, she, the only things you have to do, she's like, you have to do your test, get your castration. She's like, do your electrolysis, do your breasts and do your body. And that's it. And that's all I did. Mm. I didn't know they had that surgery. Yeah. Because I've heard of some girls, they go to Planned Parenthood. Yeah. And get their hormones. They yeah. get the hormones and you first. get testosterone blockers. But I just wanted to not take so much and oh, wanted to more okay. have more effect on my body. So, you, okay. so I got, I got, um, castrated and it was really shady like oh. i went to this doctor's office after hours 
in Yonkers. He was known to operate on trans women. I was completely awake during the surgery. They just gave me like an IV of like Valium. Uh-huh. I, and I, I remember I can see like the light, you know, and it has like a reflection on top. And I can, I was watching them like cut open my testicles oh. and like pull out this cord that I felt like pulled out from like the top of my stomach. And when they cut the cord, like my legs literally jumped and they had to like give me more Valium to like keep me groggy. It was crazy. The oh, things that we go through. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But to get that proper surgery the right way, what does one have to do? You have to have like letters from your therapist now. Okay. And they take you, they put you under and you get it done in like a hospital okay. and there's like aftercare, et cetera. Yeah, now, now it's pretty regulated. And it's pretty normal. I know a lot of my girlfriends that's got it done through insurance, actually. Oh, through well. insurance. Okay, yeah, that's insurance covers I just all don't want them. nobody going, th- looking up somebody in Yonkers. No, 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 yes, no, no. Please don't go to, yeah. Yeah, don't do what I did. Okay, yeah, don't. Because I'm just worried about somebody, like something happened. Yeah, some, you know that's very very scary. Yes, it's been scary. Yeah, when yeah. one of my friends got infected, and yeah, it was crazy. Gosh. Back then, we didn't have the resources to monitor all this. So, is there any type of like a like a site or resource that people can go to, like a um, sort of like a uh, you know how we have like online groups yeah. or something? There need to be there something. is there, there is. is what's it called? I can't remember off the top of my head, but I can send it to you. I know there's really good ones. Uh-huh. I haven't participated in them in a while, but I know there are some, and and if they're easily found on the internet, right, right, well, some really sort of big boards yeah. where they take care of people and they point them at the right direction, yes. not at the wrong direction, because yes. it's it's like we want to see people living and yes. not going you know, what they used to have to go through. Yeah, and there's like a board and like now there's like, they have all these forums and you can compare doctors and girls go. Yeah, they, there needs to yeah. be something like there's that. There's groups on Facebook now. Oh, okay, That's Called like good. the fish tank or something like that. The fish tank. Yeah. <laughs> And the girls talk about the, the search. Yeah. I know a very I know what it that's the fish thing. I know. <laughs> yeah, there's a group on Facebook and like all the girls talk about their surgeries and where they went and oh, who's good, good and good. how much so it costs. And, look at, yeah. yeah, if somebody's thinking out there, um, please, you know, go to somebody certified or yeah, you know, wait. Now this is the big question I have. Now we all have seen Pose in that mm-hmm. one episode mm-hmm. where she has the surgery right. and she loses her sugar daddy. Mm-hmm. Tell since you've you know, for, you did before have your piece. Was there any loss of compensation of money? Because that's the thing people get really, really worried about. Yeah, no, you know, a lot of girls get worried about, you know, um, you know, it's and I feel like it's to each their own, their personal choice. If they choose to have it, you need to do what's best for you. Right. You know, and not so much about the dollar. But what was how was that? So I was afraid of the same thing, to be mm-hmm. honest. When I had surgery, I, I just literally jumped off a cliff with no umbrella. And I was, I didn't know what was going to happen. Yes, I just knew that I wanted to do this for me. But luckily, you know, everything is more advanced now. And people liked me for me. And they didn't really care about my genitals. And it didn't really mean anything. So it didn't change a lot for me. Like, I still kept my... You know, my sponsors, they were, some of them were like into me even more now that Mm -hmm. I didn't have my, 
old um, anatomy and like I got, ended up getting sponsored with uh, being ambassador of Pornhub and like I ended up offering got offering to shoot as well still as a director wow. and starring in um, movies for Evil Angel so mm-hmm. it really didn't really change anything and I think it was even better that I made that step to show people that they don't have to like right continued being in the body that they don't want to be in for survival because I did for so many years and now there's many means to like explore and and I'm not saying it hasn't been all good like you know in dating sometimes like people since they know that I'm trans and they'll seek me out and then when they find out I don't have the equipment they'll like ghost me and stuff Mm. and and it comes it's both ways you have to be prepared for whatever and like one of my girlfriends explained to it, it's not like a magic wand that comes in and it's like going to change everything. Like you have to, you change yourself for you and then you just deal with navigating what comes with after that. And like right. sometimes you do lose your clients, you know, and they don't want to see you anymore. But luckily I have very supportive fans and they suck around. I get the occasional comment like, oh, why did you do this? And I've been in a situation that was really embarrassing and and stressful to me with the with the customer like he was like why would you do that to yourself and i'm like well first of all like i'm not an object like i'm a person and i did this for me and it's because people like you making me feel like i'm not a person and you can't be seen with me out and and take advantage of my body that's why i did it i was sick of that feeling right it's kind of like rebellious yeah. Act that I well, but you're being your true authentic yes, self. That's what's more. Day. At the end of the day, that's who you feel. And like you said, you you know you were glad. Yeah, you, know, you went through it, and I would do it again. And you would do it again. even yes. that five day. I would do it again, girl. For the way that I feel now, and like sex, and like interaction, and being so comfortable in my skin, I would do it again, over and over and over again. As bad as it was, and it's so funny because my friends that had had surgery before me, they told me the same thing. They're like, "Oh my God, girl, it's the worst." Like blah 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 blah. But I would do it again, and I would look at them like, "Are you girls crazy? Like you really would do that again?" And now that I've been there and this is now how, you know like, I know exactly how that pain feel. was worth it totally yeah mm-hmm. oh that's good to hear you know that's good that you 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 know you've made the right choice yes and like it's funny because all the pieces came into play as well right after I had surgery like I got this I got that I got a contract with evil angel I got Pornhub like I was like wow it was like a sign wow so you right after you got the surgery you, that's when you became porn so you've been yeah. a Pornhub ambassador for how long almost two years wow literally had surgery in october and i was like had money saved and whatever and i didn't know what i was going to do honestly Mm -hmm. i was like okay i'm going to just take it when i get there either i'll go to the strip club or like i'll do whatever to get my money and literally a month later they offered me the ambassadorship and i literally cried because i was like this is what i needed like this gave me the security that i needed to go and like give up sex work and seeing clients and if I didn't want to shoot anymore, I didn't have to. I wasn't forced, to, obligated mm-hmm. to do these things that I had to do for 20 years for survival. Wow. So now, um, what, after all that and all the doors open, um, do you feel complete with your career or where do you see it could be going? Yeah, I feel really good. I feel like I can rep- I'm can. i representing, you know, post-op girls. I'm representing mm-hmm. the underdog as a Black trans woman in mm-hmm. this industry, very racist industry. 
I'm fighting for what's right. I, I speak up. I'm on many different boards and I'm trying to make a change and make space for other black trans women. I'm directing now for like one of the biggest companies out there that's been around forever. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess I'm kind of like at the top of my career of what I right. w- wanted to be, which I never even expected that I was going to get here. But I got here and I'm really appreciative and I worked really hard to be here. Oh, that's great to hear. That's really, really good. It's- it's good, but for not all, and I just want to speak out there for not all trans, it doesn't end very well. Right. And you've, have you, you've, lo- you said you've lost friends through the years. What do you, um, how come, you know, stuff is still happening at this day? Do you feel like it's it the prejudice, the current political plot? Yeah, it's like the old ways, the bigotry, the, the transphobia. It's also a lot of like in the black communities, the minority communities, mm-hmm. how they're, they don't express, let them be themselves. So there's like this self-hatred and then it plays on to like the larger portion of people, the, the um, what is it called? the other communities that are marginalized right. and, and and then the government and society and how people just want to control what everyone else is doing instead of letting people live their own life. And that's why I think we're at where we're at now. People just need to let people be who they want to be and either you like it or you don't. Like and it. mind your own business. Yeah. That's what I feel like. Because I feel like, like some, some stuff, people just need to mind their own business yeah. and, and, and just stay out of it. And... Uh, you know, some stuff is just that I've seen out. I feel TikTok is pushing a lot of bad agendas out on purpose. Yeah. And I do, but it's my little conspiracy theory, but I feel like um, the Chinese are doing it on purpose. Mm, to like divide Because we had a lot of peace. Yeah. And I love um, Barack Obama. Um, we had a lot of peace with him and then things, you know, changed. Yeah. And um, all of a sudden TikTok popped up and, and I see stuff. That's yeah, like, and it promotes like yeah a lot of hate rhetoric, even though they say it doesn't and it's controlled, yeah. but it does. Right, and I feel oh, it's very. I feel like it's very much controlled, especially with. Um, I notice if you're white, you could be any size, any shape, do anything, and they'll promote you. But yeah. I've noticed that um, I don't see any really popular black or Latino um, TikTokers. Right, I don't see none of that. I right. see a ton of white, all different. You know, they could do whatever. So, but I feel like uh, that's my little conspiracy theory. Even but. Instagram as well. Instagram yeah. and Twitter. Like, I got my Instagram account deleted maybe 12 times. Oh, yeah. And I see non-white people doing way more than what I was doing. And they have millions of followers and yeah. verified and everything. Yeah. It's just injustice. I have, to, I have to be, like, so... Mine is so vanilla and covered. Mm-hmm. I just have dresses on. Yeah. And I have to be so careful... I can't, I can't even post all the time on my IG. Yeah. My Twitter's really different. Yeah. Twitter, thank God for Twitter, but I heard that, you know. Things are changing yeah. every day. Which is sad. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on Get School. Can you please share um, with my audience where they can find you, all your social medias? Mm-hmm. So I'm on Instagram, Natasia Dreams Girl. That's N-A-T-A-S-S-I-A, Dreams Girl. I'm on Twitter, Natasia Dreams X. And um, my OF platform is Natasha's Dreamland. And you can find me on Pornhub, Natasha Dreams. You can find me on Evil Angel, Pansexual X as a director. And yeah. Okay.
Well, thank you. My name is Marcella Alonso. My IG is Marcella Sobella. So is my Facebook and YouTube. My Twitter is Marcella underscore L-U-V. And you can find all my sites at MarcellaSobella.com. Thank you again. Thank for being you for having school. me.